Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. And today we're going to be looking at farm sustainability from a milk processor's perspective. And I'm delighted to be joined by the Director of Sustainability for the Carberry Group, Inda Buckley, and Farm Sustainability Manager with Carberry uh, Ireland, Aoife Feeney. Uh, we're also joined this morning by Pat Murphy, who's Head of the Environment Knowledge Transfer Programme in Chagask. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Aoife and Enda, you're very welcome to the series. And um, you're going to be giving us a presentation about the work that's going on in Carberry uh, in relation to sustainability. But maybe, Enda, you could tell us a, a little bit about the work that you do in, in Carberry. Yeah, so I suppose, look, as, as, as Heather said, it's sustainability markets, it's quite varied, uh, and especially given, given uh, I suppose, the, the Carberry Group makeup. Uh, I suppose we have the, the dairy and nutritional business um, in Ireland, and then we have the flavours and taste business globally. So it's quite varied. Uh, very fortunate to have a very good team. Um, people like Aoife and Orla in, 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 in Ireland and Gavin and Carlene, et cetera, in, in the US and the UK. So it's a mixed bag. Um, and I suppose, um, you know, it's, there's, there's something different every hour, to be honest. Um, the farm piece, obviously, is, is critical to us. Um, but, you know, it, it's just so varied. And, you know, if you look at the various, I suppose, elements that look up, make up sustainability, you've got the environment piece. That in itself is a huge uh, bank of work. But then you've got the whole social governance and, and uh, people piece as well. So it's very varied, which which makes for, I suppose, um, you know, uh, I, I suppose it's a very interesting job, to be fair, Mark. And um, with plenty of challenges and, and plenty of opportunities as well, I would say. A busy role by the sounds of it. And and Aoife, if I could go to you, you're a, a Longford woman uh, in based in Cork. And uh, tell us what about the work that you're doing uh, in uh, with Carberry. I know you're you're working closely with the the Chagask ASAP program as well. Yeah, so um, I started with Carberry almost three years ago, and I suppose my role was focused on ASAP at the very start. Um, so working with suppliers to improve water quality, and I suppose over the last couple of years, I've kind of evolved, um, and I'm working with farmer suppliers in terms of our greener dairy program, um, Animal Health Ireland, and I work closely with Four West Cork Co-ops as well and their technical teams. So really, I suppose I'm the, the person on the ground for um, getting out on farm and doing farm assessments um and i suppose implementing any innovations or changes we can at farm level and supporting our suppliers on a sustainable journey great well thank you for that introduction that gives us a good sense of the your the, the perspective and uh, that you're coming from so um so you're going to do a joint presentation for us today and i think enda you're going to kick off the presentation and then uh, Aoife, you're going to pick up along the way. So I think without further ado, we get stuck into the presentation. And just to remind people while you're getting set up there that if you do have a question or comment that you'd like to make, yeah. uh, please do send your comments through uh, the Q&A tab at the bottom of the screen. Um, we'll be delighted to, to put those questions to both Aoife and Enda during the, uh, after the presentation. So um, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Aoife. Thanks, please. Uh, so yeah, next slide there. So please, Aoife. So yeah, just just the ownership, and I'm sure most people are familiar with with Carby and our location, I suppose. But just to uh, give people a feel for it. So look, first of all, uh, we're owned by the Four West Cork Co-ops. Um, uh, so Bandon Barry Road, Green Lisabard. Like in terms of the of the catchment, if you were to take a straight line, kind of from Castleton there across the Kinsale, 
and everything south of that basically is, is, is Carberry. So we currently have 1,207 suppliers. Uh, milk is primarily sourced from grass, as is the case with, I think, all Irish, Irish dairy. And I suppose something unique as well to Carberry is, you know, you know we're, we're, we're quite uh, centric. 99% of the farmers are within a 40 mile radius of the, the, the Banline plant. So uh, it's a very kind of central model. Um, next slide, yeah. So group locations. Um, so I touched on it earlier, I suppose, look, we, we, we have a global footprint at this stage. That's really down to the, the acquisition uh, and, and movement into the flavors business. So our, our, our flavors business is called Synergy and they have locations, as you can see there in the US. So uh, place called Wakanda is the main HQ in the US, just outside Chicago. So we're in the US, Brazil, uh, then we're in the UK in High Wycombe, uh, Trieste in Italy uh, and Bangkok would be our manufacturing facilities for, for Synergy. Uh, the HQ is of course Bananine in West Cork, so that's, that's our dairy nutrition business. And we also have a joint venture with um, Barbers in the UK, just outside Bristol. The, uh, the green dots there are the inter international representatives we have through the likes of Borbia, Arnua, etc. So next slide, please. Yeah, so look, I was asked to kind of give, maybe give a small bit of a origin, maybe in history of sustainability of Carberry. So it goes way back, to be fair. Um, and I, I would say it's innate within cooperatives, to be fair. I think that kind of social kind of engagement and interaction you see with co-ops, you know, really helps sustainability flourish. Um, certainly, and I'm, I'm with Carberry now going in six years, you know, there's a real do the right thing culture, I would say. And I, I'd also make the point that, you know, uh, sustainability, there's a lot of kind of very fancy language used and very, you know, you know, fancy terms. Um, but ultimately for me, it boils down to doing the right thing. And that's certainly very present in Carberry. And I would probably say in, in, in co-ops throughout Ireland as well. Uh, I think, and this is a personal viewpoint, I think the geography has helped. Um, I said Carberry because you saw from that earlier graphic, we're, we're actually quite small, even in Irish terms. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've a small enough catchment, but what that has done is it's really encouraged innovation. And I've used these terms here. I think added value is something that comes up in conversations an awful lot in Carberry. We have to bring added value because of our size for our shareholders. And then future-proofing, always looking ahead. How can we protect and bring more value back to our shareholders? That's, that's a real motivation for the way Carberry operates. And look, that's driven innovation. So just a few examples here, Carberry process. So going way back to 1978, you know, this was, you know, ingenious in ways. So uh, the Carberry process basically is the ability to uh, generate bioethanol from, from milk. Um, so that was, that was, that, that all started in Carberry. And I've got a slide later that gets into greater detail on that. So one of the first, uh, processors in the world to, in, to install ultrafiltration, to uh, produce whey protein concentrates again, that's going way back to the 70s. Dubliner cheese, again, is a unique uh, product. Um, and it's, you know, it's not cheddar, I suppose, but look, it's, it's you know, it, it's a fantastic cheese and it's been a phenomenal success for Carberry. Um, so that's again, innovation in, in, in action, I suppose. And the move into the flavor space in the 90s, uh, you know, again, that's that's delivered phenomenal value and it's a great part of the company. And that's that's a great success, I suppose, as well for the company. So again, that was innovative. So next slide, please. Yeah, I look, our, our goal when it comes to sustainability is it's quite a simple one. Um, we want to be recognized as a world-class 
sustainable business leader. That's that's our sustainability goal. Um, next slide, please, Aoife. Yeah, so look, when you, that's the goal, I suppose, and the ambition, I suppose, when we look at it is, so we've, we've now got a dedicated sustainability team. In the last uh, six months, we've developed green teams across our sites. So these are people on the ground that are really, I suppose, helping us to, you know, drive and, and, and really push that sustainability agenda across the group. We have a steering committee uh, with our leadership team that was established for the group as well. It's now a core element of our group strategy. We have a standalone sustainability strategy. Uh, and again, our, our CEO and our, our leadership team really buy into that. We had our inaugural CSR report um, in 2018. We're currently fi finalizing our third um, report and it's now integrated into the annual report, such as the importance we, we put on sustainability. We're developing a zero carbon roadmap and science-based targets for the group. That's a big project for us this year. Uh, back in 2018, we started to procure 100% renewable electricity for the site in Ballonin. And I suppose, look, we've a few slides later as well on, on Farm Zero C, we're developing a climate neutral dairy farm uh, at the Chinook Farm. Next slide, please. So we kind of divide sustainability into four kind of main areas. So the first one is environment and, you know, real focus on carbon water waste. And there's still a massive focus on that. But I suppose going forward, we're putting more focus on renewable energy. Biodiversity is very important to us and the bioeconomy. Um, we're members of BIC and we see that as a very important space. Markets, marketplace, quality, that's a given in our sector. Um, that's, that's critical. Nutrition, responsible sourcing. We're seeing more and more requests on this front. Sustainable procurement is very important to us. And I suppose look, something we would say uh, over the last 25, 30 years, Carberry's paid a leading Irish milk price. And again, that's bringing value back to our, our, our farmer suppliers. Workplace, developing employees, early career development, health and safety. Um, I think a good example in the workplace actually in Calgary is we had, um, you know, you see lots of examples of guys that have started on the floor and they've, you know, gone up the ladder to, to management positions. We had a case that we had a, a, a gentleman last week who celebrated 48 years working in Calgary. So I think that, that tells a story. And I suppose on the community front, um, you know, community development, something that's again really innate in Carberry goes right back to its to its origins. Collaboration actually is a key word for Carberry. Again, given I suppose where we're based, we have to collaborate, and that's a key element of how we function. Collaboration with schools, academics, institutions, um, you know, that's very important to us. Supporting local charities again, strong heritage in that. And health and safety initiatives of farmers is something we're starting to, to, to work on as well. So next slide, please, Aoife. Yeah, and look, we're, we're, we're proud members, I guess, of, of Dairy Industry Ireland and, you know, working closely with the, with the other dairy processors. And I suppose look, this, this graphic here kind of shows, again, a unique collaboration. I know this has been mentioned before in the Signpost series, but I think it's important to, 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 to emphasize it. So, you know, DII were, were instrumental in, in developing Dairy Sustainability Ireland. And look, this is very unique to our, to our sector. And I, I, I certainly haven't come across anything like this anywhere. And I suppose you've got the processors, you've got the trade associations and the farm orgs, the likes of ICOS, IFA um, are in there. And then you've got the, the governing bodies. So the EPA, BORBIA, Department of Agriculture, Department of Environment. So it's, it's unique collaboration, I suppose. And it was instrumental really in, in, in developing ASAP. And 
I suppose, at this juncture, I'm going to hand over to Aoife, who's going to talk about asset, and I suppose some of the work we're doing at farm level uh, in Carberry. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Aoife. Thanks, Linda. So, yeah, I suppose looking at sustainable farm development um, and what we try to do at farm level, um, really the four West Cork co-ops are central to this and to Carberry and myself really being able to get out at farm level. And as Linda mentioned, collaboration is really a key aspect. So the graph on the left, I suppose, really just showcases the variety of, I suppose, industry partners that we work with um, in order to try and continue our sustainable farm development. Um, so, you know, the four West Car co-ops are central. We work with AHI, um, the Department of Agriculture, our local communities, Chagas, local research institutions and universities and colleges, um, and Borbia, just to name a few. So, you know, we're really, I suppose, the, the collaboration piece is really, really important to us. Um, so just looking then at ASIP. So we're, I suppose, a, a key support member of the ASIP program. So it's the Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advisory Program. So this was founded in 2018. And I suppose the key aim of this is to improve water quality across the country. Um, so I know it's been covered on the signpost series um, previously. So I'm just going to touch on it very briefly in case someone hasn't heard of it. So it's a collaborative approach, I suppose, by the industry to improve water quality at farm level. Um, and there's 30 advisors across the country. There's 20 with Chagask and 10 with the co-op. So I'm one of those 10 advisors. And my colleague Lane Giles in West Cork also works for Chagask with farmers in the region as well. So I suppose what we really focus on at farm level is nutrient management, land management, um, farmyard and infrastructure management, and where applicable riverbank management. Um, really, we're supporting farmers in terms of growth and profitability, improving their green credentials and encouraging community harmony where possible as well. So we work really closely with the local authorities' waters program um, and Chagas as well, as I said, and the EPA too. So the whole aim really is to break the pathway from pollution source to the effective water course. So in terms of how that's working um, across the country, so there's 190 areas for action that have been selected. Um, and these areas are being worked on between 2018 and the end of this year, 2021. Um, and I suppose within those 190 areas, we have five key areas in the Carberry region. Um, so we're spanning really from Skull across to Kinsale in those areas. So we're working in those areas um, with our farmer suppliers. And I suppose the key issues we're trying to mitigate against are nitrogen and phosphate pollution and sedimentation in some cases as well. So what we do, I suppose, to encourage farmer engagement, which has been very positive to date, um, across the country, public meetings are held in conjunction with LawPro um, and in conjunction with Chagask as well. And then after that, we'd hold a streamside meeting for the farmers involved in areas for action and in the Carberry region, I suppose the, the few that we've had have proven quite good. We had great attendance at them. This year, given um, the circumstances with COVID, obviously we couldn't host them in person. So we actually held our first one online a number of weeks back. Um, and we had really good attendance and really good feedback from that. So we were quite delighted with that because it can be, I suppose there's a little bit of Zoom fatigue sometimes out there in the farming community. So it was great to see the attendance at that. Um, what we found really beneficial as well is sending letters just before we plan to go out to farms. So what we've done is we've sent letters through the four West Cork co-ops to the relevant areas for action to the farmers. Um, and really that letter just outlines what the program is about, what the main issues are in their area um, and what they can do to get involved. 
Um, and that really has been a really positive way of getting good engagement at farm level. Um, we followed that up with a phone call then, and then the farm assessment is carried out as well. So we've had really good engagement in our areas for action to date. We've also spoken at a number of discussion groups across West Cork um, in conjunction with Chagas as well, and they've proved really positive. And I suppose from those discussion groups, there's farmers outside of areas for action who are really keen to get involved. Um, and really this is showcase, and I suppose that, you know, farmers do want to do the right thing um, and they're willing to avail of whatever services are available to help them on that path to sustainable production and improving water quality. So it's really positive to see that happening on the ground as well. So I suppose in 2012, Carberry launched the Carberry Greener Dairy Farms Programme. Um, so this is an innovative dairy efficiency programme and it was designed, I suppose, to optimise resource, resources at farm level and improve best practice as well. Um, so it was the first of its kind to be developed in Ireland um, and the key focus of this programme was on carbon footprint, water footprint and energy footprint. Um, so I suppose over the course of the programme, um, in 2012, I suppose, was kind of the base year, it was a benchmarking year, so measurements were taken across initially 12 farms. Um, and really, this looked at soil samples, um, energy and water audits, so there was actually meters installed in all of the farms to monitor both energy and water. Um, monthly inputs were measured through, I suppose, quite a comprehensive um, survey, and e-profit monitors were completed by the farmers, as well as um, carbon footprinting and Biodiversity mapping was carried out in these farms also throughout the course of the programme. And then Chagas were quite involved with this as well. Um, so there was expert advice um, provided through them and through other industry partners. Um, and I suppose farm walks and various discussion group meetings were carried out as well. And then dissemination occurred through, I suppose, those events as well. So throughout the course of the programme from 2013 to 2017, um, carbon emissions were reduced by 15%, which is fantastic to see. Um, and I suppose there was huge awareness raised among all of the farmers um, on water use, energy use, um, they increased the profitability. And I suppose this occurred really from managing their inputs better and managing their resources better. So, you know, some farms were reducing their energy use, some were reducing their water use, um, and in turn, that returned a, a better profit for them at farm level, which is fantastic. EBI amongst the farmers um, increased 20% as a group, which is fantastic. Um, and I suppose the key thing, as I said, was the education and the importance of sustainability. And the numbers involved in this program grew from 12 initially to 28, um, which is fantastic. So um, I suppose going forward then in 2018, we had a further 36 farmers join the program as phase two. Um, so they're focusing on improving soil nutrients um, and improving grass use as well. Um, and I suppose the emphasis with the group going forward is very much in animal welfare, farm safety, biodiversity, grassland and soil management. So I suppose a lot of it is sticking to the basics, but they're quite key, I suppose, for sustainable development at farm level as well. And as part of this programme, um, and Enda was heavily involved in this, um, in 2017, there was um, Digital Stories launched in conjunction with the EPA um, and McCroom E as well. So some of the farmers involved in the phase one of the Kyber Greener Dairy Farm Programme produced digital stories telling their own story um, of sustainable farming. And they can be viewed um, on the link on the slide there, carberry.com forward slash digital storytelling. So 
they're quite short videos, but they tell a really nice story and they're completely produced by the farmers themselves. There was no input from Carberry. Um, the only thing really was we gave them access to software to be able to edit their videos. Um, but they're a really good way of, I suppose, seeing it from and hearing it from the farmer's point of view, which is excellent. And I suppose coming on from that then, um, through UCC, there was a retrospective prior learning mechanism developed. And this recognised um, that the farmers involved in the Carberry Greener Dairies Farm Programme met the criteria for an environmental diploma within UCD or UCC, um, which was really fantastic. So this meant that they could attend UCC to um, obtain the final credits um, and get a diploma from UCC. So that started in November 2018. So we had the first group um, in graduate in November 2018 and the second in November 2019. Um, so you can see that's the first group there um, receiving their diplomas and this is the second group. And this year we have 16 farmers um, taking part in that diploma as well. So they'll be conferred at the end of this year, which is really fantastic. And I suppose it really shows that, you know, all of the efforts that farmers put in through discussion groups um, and any, I suppose, career development that they take part in, they might not realize it is career development, but when they get recognized through a diploma like this, it's just showcasing how much knowledge is among the farming community as well. Um, and last slide for me, I suppose we were involved in the Carberry Tree Project as well. And this is the first scheme of its kind in Ireland. Um, so we gave every member uh, 20 native Irish trees to plant. Um, and I suppose this is used as a carbon offsetting measure and to increase biodiversity at farm level as well. Um, and in 2018, some staff got involved as well, and some local schools also received some trees and planted them as well. So there's 45,000 trees planted across um, West Cork during the course of this project. And that was, I suppose, the equivalent of 850 million tonnes of carbon saved per year as well. So I'm going to hand you back to Enda, and he's going to continue the presentation. Thanks, Eva. So, yeah, that's kind of the farm piece, and we'll, we'll bring it to the plant now, I guess. And look, the, this schematic, I think, is a kind of useful one to kind of show, I suppose, the, the, the circular economy at Carberry. So, very briefly, I suppose, if we look at the top left hand corner, milk comes into the plant, um, the, the cream goes to Kerrygold Park to make, to make butter. So, we start off with cheese production, and about 10% of the original milk volume goes to, to cheese production. After the cheese production, we're left with the whey. Uh, you then strip out the uh, the proteins through ultrafiltration, nanofiltration, etc. We make our whey protein isolating, whey protein concentrates. The resultant stream from that then is called whey permeate. And basically what's in the whey permeate is lactose and water and some minerals. And back again, about back in 1978, 40 plus years ago, uh, Carberry, the Carberry team at the time, they propagated yeast, they found the yeast strain that worked on the lactose, generated alcohol, and again, through distillation, we were able to produce uh, significant volumes of, of, of bioethanol, which is unique in itself, but it doesn't stop there. The resultant stillage stream then goes to an anaerobic digester. Um, and the first commercial AD in Ireland actually was in Carberry back in 1982. So it goes to AD, we then produce biogas, and that biogas, um, you can see there, it fulfills about 9% of the plant's steam requirements. Um, and then the, the, the resultant stream from the, both the stillage and the biogas goes to a, a wastewater treatment plant we have near, near the plant in, in Carberry. That then develops a nutrient-rich fertilizer. It's actually classified as organic, and that's land spread locally on the farms. And off the cycle starts again. So it's a very circular process. Uh, it's quite unique, 
but it just gives you a flavor, I suppose, you know, again, come back to what we we're saying earlier with innovation, but this, this is proper sustainability in action as well. Uh, next slide. Thanks, Aoife. So look, just a kind of snapshot of some other innovations over the last decade or so. There was an energy monitoring system developed. Um, we've instead installed, and again, the services team, you know, need the credit for this. Reverse osmosis plant was uh, installed to initiate serious water savings. Uh, heat utilization, so from the distillation, we would generate a lot of heat. And again, that's then transferred to other parts of the plant to, you know, again, uh, I suppose, uh, offset kind of gas and electricity usage. And we also have a CHP plant as well. Uh, that's there since the early noughties. Um, uh, ISO 5001 was attained as well uh, during the last decade. Um, that's an energy management standard. And we also installed Tempo. And a water condensate recovery plant was also installed in recent years. And that kind of brings us on to the next slide. So this is just an example of a project um, on the on this on the side. So this was the Every Drop Counts program. So again, reverse osmosis, the key technology at play here. So these these plants were installed to concentrate the way permeate uh, streams and basically recover water from from the process. So again, as part of that was you know massive tank storage installed to capture the final rinse from the CIP process from our cheese and ingredients plants. And again, just recovering water and being, being very, very smart with water usage. So this project right, was you know, significant enough capex, three million. Uh, the initial payback was estimated to be 7.2 years, but it could be less than that now. Just an electrical savings alone, it's saving you know, just shy of 370,000 euros a year. But the big one is the water saving. That, that this project in its first phase is saving 1.4 million liters of water, you know, which is massive especially in the context we'd use about six million liters. So it's huge and we're, this, 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 we're now into phase two and we're hoping that that will actually kind of um, save us in the region of over two million liters. So um, just an example, I suppose, of a good project on site. Uh, next slide. Yeah, just our, our Borbia accreditation. So look, we obviously work very closely with Borbia, I suppose, just to, to, to state at the outset, and I know this is the case for most um, dairy suppliers in, in the country. Look, all our suppliers are ASDAS certified. Um, we have Argent Green membership, and I suppose we were very fortunate last year. We we're one of 26 companies that actually got Argent Green Gold membership. And again, that's for kind of, I suppose, exceptional performance across the sustainability space. So we were delighted with that. And I suppose very recently, this is in the last few weeks, we've also attained um, grass-fed standards certification, um, which is a new standard launched by Borbia. And, you know, that that's something where we're, we're quite happy with it as well, I suppose. So, Next slide, just on recognition. So look, these are nice. Um, certainly won't be complacent, I suppose, but look, over the last kind of four or five years, we've won, an, I suppose, a series of awards in the sustainability space. Um, look, I'm not gonna go through them all there. You can see what they are. I suppose last year was, it was a good one for us. We, you know, the Green Food and Beverage Awards, we won the overall food, uh, Green Food and Beverage uh, category. We won three awards in that as well. Um, but like I said, these these are nice and look, they're nice to show customers, but you know, you certainly wouldn't be resting on your laurels either. Like I suppose they're, they're nice, but they're nice recognition to have. Next slide. Yeah, so I put this in because I was certainly we get kind of asked by people, you know, look, the sustainability stuff, you know, are, are people really pushing this agenda? And I think when you see this, you'll see they are. So we did a group materiality assessment over the last kind of four or five months. Um, and that, I suppose, really, we, we did that, as I should say, as well, 
using the Sustainable Development Goals and the SASB framework to identify, I suppose, the most relevant, uh, I suppose, issues in, in that environmental social governance space. So it was, it was very comprehensive. There was desk research interviews. We spoke to regulators, spoke to global peers, customers relevant across the globe. So a very comprehensive uh, assessment. And look, what it does is it, it helps to identify and rank, I suppose, the, the, the big priority issues for your company in that environmental, social and governance space. And look, what it highlighted to us was, thankfully we were on the right path, but certainly environmental issues are huge. Climate action, decarbonization, that's a massive thing that certainly customers are, are demanding of us. Um, social issues as well, such as animal welfare, are, are very, very up on the priority list and sustainable supply chain management. And that's just a snapshot, but it's just to give you a feel, I suppose, of what, what's out there and what we're hearing back from, you know, our, our, our peers, from our customers, regulators, et cetera, et cetera. And what it does then, it helps to inform our strategy, which, um, if you go to the next slide, please, Eva. Yeah, so this, again, is just a snapshot, I suppose, of our strategy. So number one, look, the farm piece is critical to us. Um, and, and again, for good reason, right? But even if you just look at the carbon element of it, you take a block of cheese, 90% of that, of the embedded carbon comes from farm. So it's, it's only right that we actually really focus on that space. So we're gonna to continue to develop on-farm initiatives, emphasizing no carbon milk, health and welfare and farm safety, as Aoife spoke about. Uh, next one, we have an ambition to achieve carbon neutral status across all our sites. That's our manufacturing sites uh, by 2035. Uh, next one for there is the water conservation is very important to us. So water conservation across the group. And the last one then is waste. We have a zero waste and landfill emission across all our sites. So next slide, please. Yeah, I mentioned the bioeconomy and this is something I suppose that we're, 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 we're very involved in. We're members of the Bio-Based Industries Consortium in Europe. Uh, we see this as a really happening space but we've actually been part of it for a long time. So I mentioned the, the bioethanol plant. Look, that was um, in Pioneer back in 1978. It's called the Carberry Process, later adopted in New Zealand and, and in Germany by Muller. So I suppose in recent times, we've actually been able to, so we got ISCCC certification, and that basically stipulates that our bioethanol is, it's a really sustainable biofuel. And I suppose you can see the numbers there. In an Irish context, uh, it equates to avoided CO2 emissions of 16,321 tonnes compared to petrol, because bio, um, uh, most, um, all, all, the, all, fuel and the, all petrol and diesel nowadays, they have a biofuel percentage in them. So in, in the case of petrol, it's bioethanol is, is, is what's added. So our plant currently produces about 12 million litres of bioethanol per annum. And I suppose when you compare the carbon bioethanol versus petrol, it's 86% less carbon intensive than petrol. So this is just, I suppose, an example of, of us being active in the bioeconomy. Uh, next slide, please. So another example, and I'd, I'd love to have more slides in this, guys, because this is a really, really great project that's just actually kind of finished. So there was a series of workshops last week uh, where we presented it which in tandem with the team. So this was led by, by James Gaffey and MTU in Tralee. Um, so what you look at there is a grass biorefinery. And basically what the grass biorefinery does is it actually takes grass and converts them into four different co-products. So you can kind of see the flow diagram. The first product, so it, what, what it essentially is, is it's like a joint press. So you, you present grass to it, 
it goes through the press and it spits out effectively fiber cake, which is that kind of grass substance you see there in the front of the screen. It's like lawn cuttings and a green liquid juice, right? So the press cake, and this, this I should say as well, this, this machine look at there is, was designed uh, by Grassa, who were part of the, 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 the biorefinery glass team. And it's a mobile unit. Um, they call it fiber cake in, 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 in Holland. But basically, it's 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 grass, effectively, right? And you ensile that, and I suppose as part of this work, UCD lines would have tested this press cake uh, in tandem with silage, and you know it 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 compared very favorably. The other element then is the green juice, and that that basically has got three different co-products as part of that. So one is a protein concentrate. So for this project, that was concentrated, and it was given to monogastrics to to pigs and poultry. And again, the trials were, were you know, were, were, were very positive. Uh, another element is fructooligosaccharide, FOS, which is a prebiotic, and that goes into to feed, um, particularly uh, animal feeds. And the last part then is the, the, the grass whey, and that can either go as a biostimulant. And again, we did trials in that. In the, in the, I, should, I should say as well, this particular unit came to five farms in Carberry uh, back in 2019. And um, those farms would have, would have tested the grass whey as part of that as a biostimulant. And again, it basically compared very, very favorably with slurry. And the last part then is using the grass whey as a feedstock for anaerobic digestion. So if we just go to the next slide, please, uh, and Again, I'm tearing through this, lads, because, but before I say any more, I would encourage people, if you're interested in this, go to the website, which is biorefinerygloss.eu, um, because there's, I'm not doing this justice because I, I haven't got the time, but it's a great project. And you can see as well, I, I, I should mention as well, I mentioned Grassa UCD were part of this and Barry Rowe Co-op who did the, the trials for us on, on the pigs. Um, so really good project. The findings, I guess, look very encouraging, right? Definitely biorefining adds value to Irish grass and definitely provides diversification opportunities. I suppose all the four co-products, they compared very favorably with the incumbent streams. And there's definitely opportunities for emissions displacement. Uh, if you take the um, the fibre cake, um, again, UCD did this work. They looked at it in terms of um, in vitro work using the Rusitech machine. How would it compare to silage? And the initial work that UCD did showed that it actually is generating 15% less methane emissions than silage. So that's that's very interesting in itself. Um, by refining of grass can increase animal protein constant production by up to 50% per hectare, which is very interesting. Um, there's definitely scope to integrate biorefining and bioenergy with the AD. We see them as complementary, um, can be delivered at small scale. And I suppose another big uh, output from the project was farmers and primary producers can, can and should play a major role in the bioeconomy value chains. So uh, that's biorefinery glass. Um, yeah, the, the, I suppose another project that we're very involved in and leading is Farm Zero C. So this is about developing a climate neutral dairy farm at Chinook, which is owned by the West Cork Co-ops. Um, we've made an application under SFI, uh, Zero Emissions Challenge. So that's been led by uh, Professor Kevin O'Connor and by Arbic. Uh, Chagas got very involved uh, through people like Lawrence, Trinity College through Jane, uh, Jane Stout and, and Kean, UCD, Fanula Murphy and Alejandro's or LCA WizKid. MTU, James, and, and Grassa again. So we've actually got a video. Uh, so before I 
say any more. I'm just going to just play the video there, please, Aoife. Uh, academia and others to create a dairy farm that produces net zero emissions, an economically viable climate neutral dairy farm. So achieving net zero emissions for agriculture is incredibly important for Ireland. 33% of our emissions come from agriculture, but agriculture is also the powerhouse of the Irish economy. It is to the Irish economy what uh, car manufacturing is to Germany. It provides so much jobs. It is critically important to the fabric of rural Ireland. So we need absolutely to support it. And if this industry can become carbon neutral, it has a future. Chinook Dairy Farm is a 78-acre dairy farm owned by the Four West Car Co-ops. Drina, Barriarol, Savard, and Bendon. So I suppose what we'd love to achieve really is number one, we can demonstrate a zero emissions dairy farm, because I think that'll be a real beacon for the industry. You know, if they can say we can do it here in Chinook, which is a very heavily stocked farm, you know, there's no reason why I can't do it on my farm. At the global level, dairy is a major contributor to climate change. 5% of greenhouse gas emissions come from dairy systems. So in order to tackle climate change, we need to start looking into a system that reduces uh, the emissions that come from this sector. I think farmers are very interested in reducing emissions, uh, improving biodiversity. They have been handed down the land from generations and they want to hand the land to the next generations. So we're taking a very holistic approach. Farm Zero C is about looking at the farm as a whole. It was looking at the animal, looking at the multi-species swords. This is a really interesting project because it brings a lot of the research that's been going on in academia into kind of industry and into practice. For example, we're standing in a field here which has got six species in it rather than the one or two species have in most fields. That kind of research into multi-species fields that are going on in ecology for maybe 30 years, but it's only now been seen as a technology that we can use to increase sustainability on farms. To achieve a net zero emissions dairy farm, we are bringing together diverse strategies. We are trialling feed additives to cows' diets to reduce methane emissions, mapping existing biodiversity while increasing area and quality of natural habitats, analysing the soil to maximise carbon sequestration potential and minimise soil emissions, planting multi-species wards to reduce fertiliser and ammonia inputs, monitoring the quality of energy use on farm and generating more renewable energy, including sustainability in the economics of a typical Irish family dairy farm, quantifying the total inputs and outputs of the farm to measure both the emissions and carbon sinks associated with milk production. Implementing Farm Zero C nationally could effectively halve Ireland's dairy emissions. I want to see Shinak going net zero, but I want to see Shinak making more money, keeping productive, having a better quality milk. Shinag at the end of the day serves as a demonstrator for farms all over the world so that it can be seen that this can be achieved. Like we can tackle food security while at the same time tackling environmental sustainability. This research is really pointing us towards the fact that this is possible. So that's really for me the very exciting part. We would love to win the SFI Zero Mission Challenge. Obviously the prize at the end of that would, would make a massive difference to the farm. If we could obtain that funding we can go on to better things really and I suppose show consumers and farmers alike that this thing is doable and there's a, there's a bright future for, for dairy farming. We've also made a, a proposal to the EU farm to fork again. Most of the, the partners I mentioned are in that, plus some new guys like Value Caps, uh, Carbon Harvesters. 
just the, the last slide, look, we, we envisage three phases to, to, to achieving net zero emissions. Uh, the plan is to get there by 2027. As was really, we see this as converting the problem into solution. Farmers just need the, the toolkit to decarbonize. I think farmers are very adaptive and flexible, so it's about us providing the tools. And look, we, we hope the project will be a beacon, I suppose, for, for sustainable ag in, in Ireland and globally. And yeah, that's, that's effectively it, Mark. That's great, Anna and Aoife, thank you. And uh, sorry for putting you under pressure there at the end, but it, it, I think we'd like to try and leave some space uh, for, for questions from our audience. Um, so really impressive uh, work going on. Uh, you're obviously putting a lot of resources into sustainability uh, throughout Carberry and uh, a lot of innovation there, obviously, or you know, a lot of projects uh, going on and collaborations. Uh, just from a, I suppose, casting, looking forward over the next number of years, what would you see as the main challenges facing, uh, the, well, not just processing, but I suppose supply, the supply side as, as well? Uh, obviously, you're putting a lot of uh, effort into mitigating uh, against the, 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 the climate side of things, but we know that there are issues uh, facing uh, Ireland in terms of water quality. Um, the, obviously, the asset program is, is there to try and address that. But uh, a question that comes to us on a regular basis here is, you know, the, the future trends in terms of cow numbers or average uh, stocking rates on farms and so forth. I mean, uh, the trends have been heading uh, since uh, the, the quota abolition have been uh, heading towards, you know, increased cow numbers at a farm level. But from a carbon perspective, where do you see that headed? Yeah, so I suppose I'd, I'd say a few things, Mark. I suppose, first of all, I think this, that's why the Farm Zero C project is so important. I mean, uh, Chinook is actually a relatively heavily stocked farm, I suppose. And look, our, our ambition there is, it was initially to be carbon neutral, but it's, it's now very much climate neutral. And obviously to be climate neutral, we, we, we absolutely have to be, best in class when it comes to water quality, biodiversity, um, et cetera. So I think that'll be a really good test bit for us, Mark. And I suppose, look, that I think we, we got to find that sweet spot. Um, I suppose the second point I'd make is, you know, there has been, I think everyone that's in, in the industry knows has been, you know, significant, I suppose, expansion since quotas were abolished, but we certainly see that plateauing. Um, I think it is, you know, that it's kind of reached the, 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 the saturation point. Um, you know, the forecast this year is, I think, 2 to 3% increase in milk volumes. Um, so, you know, I think that that needs to be mentioned as well. Um, yeah, and look, I might defer to Aoife here, like the asset program obviously is going to be critical. Uh, water quality is very, very important. We, we have to get it right. And um, that's, that's, as I see, that's a very important program um, to be delivered. And do you want to, do you want to come in there, Aoife, on that maybe? Yeah, I suppose, you know, we're, we're really trying to push ASAP and we actually have quite a few uh, areas for action given that I suppose it's such an important programme for us. Um, but, you know, we're just encouraging farmers to, to get involved, even if they're outside of the areas for action at the moment, because we see it as such a critical aspect to our business. And, um, you know, it's, it's critical to the nitrates derogation, which is very important in, in West Cork and many parts of the country as well. We're not the only processor affected by it. Um, and I suppose the key thing with ASAP is it's a fantastic program. It is showing excellent results, but the sooner we get involved with it, the better, because it's a slow progress given that there are only 30 advisors to do on-farm assessments. Um, and I suppose, you know, 
it is proven that one-to-one -one advisory is a fantastic mechanism for creating behavior change and the uptake of innovation and technology at ground level. Um, but it is a slow progress. So we, we really have to keep on top of it um, and keep making sure that we're getting out at farm now. Obviously, COVID has had quite an implication for all of the advisors across the country. Um, and we have Water Quality Week coming up, and I know you're going to speak on that, Mark. But, you know, we really encourage anyone that's interested to start looking at the information that's coming out of that, get in touch with your local advisors um, and just really start to look at the information on water quality and see what you can do at farm level to, to get involved. Okay, thanks, thanks, Aoife. Uh, Pat, we've got some nice questions coming in from our audience. Yeah, some, some really good questions. Uh, one there, just saying, uh, great progress, a lot of emphasis on carbon, but what are specific uh, issues or what specific actions are you taking in relation to nitrates loss, particularly in a lot of the free draining soils that, that, that you're working within? Yeah, so I suppose um, acid free is the, the key action. We're working with our farmer suppliers quite closely. Um, we're promoting protected urea through the relevant co-ops as well. Um, and I suppose it's really that advisory piece trying to I suppose, give knowledge out to the farmers and information on how they can reduce. It's all about source control when it comes to nitrogen. We have quite free draining soils in West Cork. Um, so it's really trying to make them aware of what the issues are and what they can do to reduce that at farm level and improve the nitrogen use efficiency would be really important with this as well. And uh, there's a, a question there in relation to the, I suppose, the economic value of, of say, the SDAS and other initiatives to the, the, the farmers on the ground. And I suppose to date, and, and, and do you see it being an important contributor to, I suppose, increased milk price or increased margin for those farmers going forward, their, their whole, this whole movement into sustainability? Yeah, so I suppose like where, where it's kind of gone now really is it's a case of, you know, if we, if we don't demonstrate our sustainability credentials, we're, we're going to lose market ground and, and a lot of it because it's 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 now at a case where it's expected and demanded. Um, so I, I know maybe in earlier days it was kind of seen as maybe potential for premium, but it, it's now absolutely kind of, it's an absolute, you've no choice. Um, but that being said, and I, I think that the, the grass-fed piece is interesting, you know, hopefully that will, you know, get us into new markets. And obviously when that happens, Pat, you know, you're, you're always hoping that there'll be some extra revenue there. And um, so it's it, the dial has probably moved a bit, Pat, I would say. You know, it's, it's gone from uh, a case of, yeah, a nice thing to have, whereas now it's, it's expected and demanded, really. Um, a question there in relation to the biorefinery. Do you, given the, the business you're in, do you see any prospect for the, the products of the, the grass biorefinery coming into the are the human food stream? Yeah, so we, we, we had the workshops last week and that question was asked and, and it was uh, so Johan Sanders, who's the, the main guy in grass, was saying yes is the answer, Pat. That that's certainly uh, certainly when it comes to things like the FOS, the fructogoligosaccharide. There's definitely potential there. Um, yes, is the answer. Yeah. Okay. Changing topic of me. Uh, the diploma in environment science. There's a, a question there of, about the amount of, of classroom versus uh, kind of on farm uh, learning that was there, and, and the kind of credit that was given for the the on farm learning piece as opposed to a classroom piece in farmers being recognised for for their achievements in 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 relation to that that program. Yeah, and you were probably a bit more involved in the 
making of this programme. So I might let you take that one. Yeah, so I suppose if we go back to the very start with Pat, really, I suppose, uh, so, so RPL retrospective prior learning was, it was a relatively new, as well as piece um, come back a number of years ago. So it, it really, to, to your question, it, it recognised what the farmers did, I suppose, as part of what they did through the Greener Dairy Programme, but also as, as things like Aoife mentioned, um, you know, workshops, farm walks, uh, training courses. But predominantly, to your question, Pat, it would, it would be, I would call, outside learning. You know, it wasn't uh, what they did in the classroom. So it, it recognised that learning that was done um, you know, outside learning, we call it. Um, and then I suppose the farmers had to, essentially the way that broke down, Pat, was approximately six tenths of the diploma was recognised as stuff that the farmers had done previously. And the remaining 40% then they had to go to college and finish in a classroom setting. Okay, there's a question there in relation to the, the, I suppose, the broadening of the scope of sustainability over the last number of years in that there seems to be more and more elements coming into the sustainability question and the journey for farmers uh, in terms of, of, I suppose, getting to grip with, with all of the elements of sustainability now. How are you finding farmers taking that on board? Is it a huge challenge or is it something that you just need to keep feeding them or do you have to kind of nudge them along? Yeah, it's a very good question, I suppose. And, and I, the first tip point I'd make here is, I think maybe farmers don't realise it, but then they're, they're innately, I think, very sustainable operators. And they're, they're very quite, I think nowadays, certainly they're very scientific in their approach. So I think most of them are, are, are embracing it. Like, like I said, I think the language here as well, lads, we need to be careful because, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I would call fancy terms and fancy terminology, which just alienates people. We, we got to bring this down to, you know, what I would call simple language, keep it simple. A lot of it is common sense. Um, and I think when we do it that way, Pat, we've a, we've a chance, because uh, like I said, guys are doing this innately anyway. Um, look, certainly from our perspective in, 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 in the co-ops, we'd be trying to make it as easy as we can for them. Um, but, you know, I put up that slide on the materiality assessment, Pat. Like I said, this has been demanded of us. We'll have to deliver the goods in terms of especially climate action and, and the environment and those other pieces as well if if we're going to remain top of the class in terms of food production. And uh, can I ask you a question in relation to labeling and communicating those environmental credentials to the consumer? You know what's what's your view on that or what's what's the direction of travel on that because we, there, there has there have been talks of you know carbon footprinting appearing on on yeah. food labels, but we know that obviously sustainability is much broader than just the carbon element. Yeah, no, no, uh, good one, Mark. And I suppose so. We what I would say in that is as part of the Farm Zero C work, we actually did um, a market insights report with KPMG and Borbia. And I suppose the first thing is certainly it's coming, Mark. Um, you know, when you talk to people about the Carbon Trust, etc., you know, they would say perhaps, but yes, carbon footprinting is is coming per product. I think that's that was mooted probably five years ago, but I think there's there's certainly a lot more talk around it in the last year or so. Um, and I suppose the, the, the second point here is I'm sure this farm is listening in. Like I suppose there there also needs to be an element here of well as well as if we're going to do all these things, the consumer probably needs to you know pay a bit more as well and. That market insights work indicates that they will be willing to, which I hope will transpire. Um, but yes, I think that's coming, Mark. Certainly, carbon footprinting is 
of products is coming and, and we'll see that on labels, I would think. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, because I mean, there was a question there in relation to, you know, that translation of that that price uh, from, you know, wholesalers or, you know, milk markets, you know, uh, particularly uh, there was a question there, if I can just find it around uh, um, markets over in the, uh, you know, the likes of Asia. Are they prepared to pay for that uh, more uh, or, or milk that's produced or products that are produced under higher environmental standards? Yeah, and I suppose, like I said, I, I point to that re- bit of research that was done for us, Mark. Uh, the, the, they're saying they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not massive premiums, but I think we'll, we'll obviously take anything we can get. Um, but they're saying they will, Mark, is, it was, was the feedback from that report. Question there in relation to the potential role for animal breeding, for cow breeding, in terms of uh, the, the achievement of, of, I suppose, more sustainable output. Yeah, I suppose what I would say there is, and, and look, in fairness, Togus are, are, are leading the way this, guys. I think if you look at the, the MAC curve, I suppose, you know, certainly when you look at EBI, and the impact that that has in the MAC curve, it's significant. I think it's the, it's the second biggest measure after protected urea, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's that. That would be my answer to that part. I think certainly, definitely, EBI is a big part of this, and we we, we should be all promoting. Uh, I think the use of of um, higher EBI breeds. Quite a specific question then. Does Carberry have much rejected milk from uh, antibiotic residues, and how do they treat and dispose of of such milk in a circular economy? Okay, so the 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 answer is no. Thankfully, and I I know from that we obviously track it. Um, and it was it was uh, it was certainly even less again last year, um, and it, it's processed through AD. That is the answer. Okay. Good. Uh, sorry, go on ahead, Mark. Yeah, I have a question here in relation to food miles. Do you see that being a problem for our exports, given the the fact that most of our product is exported? Do you see that? A, being a, a, an issue for, for um, you know, affecting the carbon footprint or indeed uh, just for, for uh, buyers out there? Yeah, I guess it's certainly going to come on the agenda. I suppose the first thing I'd say is I think there's a growing European market for us. I know we, 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 we look at Asia a lot. Um, so I think there's certainly more scope to grow that. Um, again, I suppose you've got to look at this in a holistic um, kind of fashion as well, I suppose I would say, because certainly we know we can grow our produce here with a lot lower footprint than, say, other countries that have a lot higher footprint. So I think you got to look at it holistically, Mark, mm. and you got to do basically a full life full life cycle analysis. Um, and and even though it might, yes, there is the food might aspect, I guess, but uh, the transport leg typically is not actually that carbon intensive when you look at the the whole cycle so I was my, my point on that is I think we need to look at it from a from a whole holistic perspective there's an argument there there's a question here relating to the with all of our environmental credentials and our grass-based systems why have we one of our one of the lowest milk prices in the world um, and I suppose it adds to, to add on to that I mean are there any ambitions there to to kind of uh, to to try and enter more premium markets uh, for for product uh, coming from Ireland, or you know, to, to tie into that original question? 
Yeah, oh, I think definitely, certainly it's always on the, the carburetor. And I think, th I'm sure it's the same for the other processors, Mark. You're always looking for that, 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 that value add and where can we get, attain more, more premium, more value for your, your, your uh, farmer suppliers. Um, like, uh, yeah, absolutely, 100%, 100%, yeah, definitely. Okay, we're, we're just uh, just out of time, I'm afraid. Um, unless, Pat, you have any burning questions that you'd like to... to... Oh, I don't think so. I think uh, most of them have been answered. Okay, brilliant. Okay, well, Aoife uh, and Enda, thank you so much for your time and uh, effort and your presentation. Obviously, a lot of hard work going on in, in Carberry to, to, to try and drive down the environmental uh, footprint of, of the sector. So uh, congratulations on, on all of the, the work that you're doing there. Um, just to remind everybody that uh, if you have, uh, if you want to receive updates on training opportunities and latest publications, you can sign up to Chagas uh, Connected Digital now on the Chagas website. Um, so finally, I want to thank our production team, in particular Andy Boland, Pat Murphy, and Yvonne Maher. Next week, I'll be talking to John Kyo from Animal Plant Association uh, and Health Plant, uh, Association, and we'll be talking about low impact weed control uh, and protecting drinking water. Uh, sources through that and also I've just been asked to uh, plug uh, a, a series of um, uh, events that are going to be taking place as part of uh, Water Quality Week uh, which begins the 22nd of March Monday the 22nd of March and uh, right through to Friday the 26th of March and they'll be dealing with different themes on different days water quality and catchment management breaking the pathway of phosphorus and sediment loss and, and managing your farmyard uh, and signpost webinar. So there's lots more details available on that on the Chagask uh, Farming for Water Quality section on the Chagask website. So from all of the team, I want to say take care and stay safe. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagas.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening. <laughs>